This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Aaron in Shoreline. Hey, Aaron. Hey, morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, um, you know, I don't know what's going on with everybody's kind of pessimistic attitude this morning. Everybody's kind of yeah. down and out. I'm fired up, John. Football is back. Fans are back. You know, people are saying, you know, we got issues. Everybody got issues and stuff going on. But look at the bright side. We got Russ. We got Dwayne Brown back and mm-hmm. happy. We got a, a solid tight end group. We got a fun running back core, right? Even right. guys like DJ Dallas. We got Metcalf Lockett. Like, I'm fired up, ready to go. I mean, There'll be some some stuff we got to work on as the course of the season goes on, but everybody has that. I mean, guys are questioning ten years in: can Russ do this? Can Russ do that? Well, you know, he's been running for he's going to run for his life. Well, he's been doing that his whole career, and how's it worked out for us so far? Like, let's get back to what we're doing. Uh, I'm fired up. I don't know if you can yeah, tell, and, but and I'm ready to roll. That's, this the, th- season, that's John. the thing. I think people are forgetting. It's like, okay, so where was Russ in the first half of the season last year? I mean, he was the MVP of the league in the first half right. of the season. Okay, so it's like, oh, so there's a real di- diminishing part of his skills? No, there isn't. I mean, they came up with some strategies that held things down on the offensive side of the ball. But, I mean, you know, Russ still is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in this league. I, and it's like, I don't get that. And if you're one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league, you know, tell me who has that 8-9 and nine record with, uh, you know, to the three or four best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, you know, did Tom Brady have an eight and nine, eight and eight season last year? No. Did uh, right. Aaron Rodgers have an eight and eight season? No, he won thirteen. I mean, you know, certainly. I mean, you can look at uh, you know Deshaun uh, Watson, who is the fifth or sixth best quarterback, but that's a bad football team and it's run poorly. And so it's like yeah. this this franchise has run well. Exactly. And, you know, we've got a lot of good pieces in place. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our offense, if we need to, for them to carry us, then great. You know, that happens every, you know, every, so, every so often. One side has to carry the other side, if, if need be. We've got guys like Marquise Blair, like you said, Cody Barton, guys stepping up. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to go. Uh, kickoff tomorrow. Football's back. Let, let's cut the, cut the nonsense. And let's get let, let's get excited for our Hawks this year. Thanks, yeah, John. Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't get the negativity. It's like uh, to me, it's just baffling to see you know uh, the people you know just like the callers that right now are showing that they're negative and this and this and this. It's like you're you're overreacting. And again, it's like I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be in the mix to go to the Super Bowl. But to say that, uh, oh yeah, this uh, it's an eight and nine team. It's like, come on. Let's go to Robert in Shelton. Hey, Robert. Hey, John. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are um, you? You know, I'm, I was the last. I was the last caller. I don't know why people are so pessimistic. I mean, I think this new offensive coordinator is going to be so dynamic for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I'm reading things online and hearing things, I guess the biggest concern for people is cornerbacks. Other than that, I don't really see too many holes in this team on defense and offense, which I think has enough firepower to make up for some defense and woes at times. Yeah, and that's but the thing. What I like, wanted to ask you is what's, yeah. your, what's your honest take on the cornerbacks? I mean, I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, is it great? No. I mean, you know, it's like, but you, you lose one player, Shaq Griffin, who ends up getting $13 million a year to go to Jacksonville. And it's like, okay. I mean, Trey Flowers has done some good things. 
Now, again, I know he, uh, you know fans are so down on him, which you know you think they're overreacting, but uh, you know, and, and he's put himself in a position to possibly be a little bit criticized. But in the end, I mean, he. Yeah, I, I, but I think he's. I think he's going to be okay. And DJ Reed did a good job last year. I mean, I absolutely agree. I mean, they got another year under their belt. I mean, I think we got Pro Bowl safeties that will help clean up at times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, just because of just because of a position doesn't mean it's gonna be the face of the team and that we're not gonna make the playoffs. And people who gotta just, I'm just, I'm just appalled to be honest with you. Yeah, because again, and, it's, you know, and, and I bring this up, and football, it's like there, there's know. a guy that calls up Cody. Uh, who's a big 49er fan, and I say, hey, there's problems at the cornerback position in all four of these teams in the division. And he's insulted uh, in the standpoint that it's like, uh, well, you, you can't say that about the 49ers. You know, they've got Jason Verrett, and they got Emmanuel Mosley, and uh, they got Kawan Williams. Well, Kawan Williams, as good as he is as a slot cornerback, I mean, he had to make them, he got a minimum salary deal. Uh, Jason Verrett's had injury problems, and Emmanuel Mosley uh, is going to miss the opener. And they had to go sign Josh Norman because they had no other depth behind him. You know, you got Patrick Peterson no longer in Arizona, and then they bring in Malcolm Butler, and then he retires, so they're not good there. I mean, Troy Hill ended up leaving the Rams, and so, you know, how good are they have got, yeah, they got Jalen Ramsey, but how good is the cornerback on the other side of Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, I mean, it just feels like people are just worried because other teams in our division made some uh, additional moves. So it's like, okay, well, you got J.J. Watt, mm-hmm. A.J. Green going to Arizona. I mean, yeah, Matt Stafford, but come on. like, Can Matt Stafford can play a whole season in our division with all the defenses? Right. The 49ers are having quarterback issues, but it's like, do they have really dynamic uh wide receivers and you know like i you know they have a youth but it's like i still think we're the best team honestly and that's you know being extremely optimistic mm-hmm. but anyhow i do appreciate taking my call and i do hope there's some more uh emphatic uh 12s out there uh the rest of the day here thank you all right thank you 866-979-ESPN 206-421-ESPN let's go to Trey. Trey, how are you well, it's always a pleasure, John. Well, you know, I got the Seahawks going 12-5 and five, uh, if everything goes well. But all starts tomorrow with stopping the run. Jonathan Taylor, if they don't stop the run, they're going to be in trouble because it sets up the play-action pass for mm-hmm. Mr. Carson Wentz. He will, he will get that rhythm going and start playing him like a puppet if they get positive gains in that running game. On offense, the Seahawks definitely have to run the football. they got to convert on short yardage because on third and one, remember, the Seahawks were like 30th in the league on third and one last year. And let's not forget uh, – about the the 2.9 seconds of the, that cover two that that cover two last year in the second half of the season also was a reason I think at times why Russell Wilson held the ball too long because there was nobody to throw to. Right. So let's get that situated uh, uh, tomorrow. And uh, yet, yeah, let's also uh, the Seattle Mariners. Well, yes, yeah, win series. All you have to do is win series to me. Yes, they could. Hopefully, they do sweep the Arizona D-backs. But well, continue for the rest of these next 21 games. Win series, and you will be there. 90-91 wins will get you either the first wild card or the second wild card. Let's switch over to five o'clock today, John, because the Washington Huskies got a 
big game. And the big game against the Michigan Wolverines, which I was there 19 years ago. I drove to Michigan 19 years ago for that game. That, unfortunately, was the 12 men on the field game where Rick Neuheisel, uh, unfortunately, after he called a timeout, 12 men on the field, changed the whole outcome of the game. And the Huskies kicked the uh, – which Michigan kicked the field goal. And it was a long drive back. So let's get, let's get these receivers in the game this time. They bought three starters of the Washington Husky receivers didn't play. We still don't know why. And hopefully Newton runs the football, not running out of bounds like Franco Harris did with the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Mr. Morris, if he struggles again out the gate in the first two quarters, you must replace him with Sam Hewitt to start the third quarter. That must happen because your best wide receiver anyway, your best receiver is the tight end, Kate Otten, from Tumwater High School. And hopefully, when we go back real quick, John, to the Seahawks, because I want these starters to really show me something since they did not play in the preseason wearing those Gordon Fisherman Gilligan hats on the sidelines. I'm looking for rhythm. I'm looking for not fumbling the football. I'm looking for catching, you know, catching the football. I don't want to fall starts, nothing. I want to see great rhythm with the Seattle Seahawks uh, when it comes to the starters starting tomorrow. I think 12-5 and five this year. I think 12-5 and five wins the NFC West this year, John. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, because, again, it's like it's a, it's a tough division because you got four good teams, four good quarterbacks, all those different things. But, you know, 12-5 and five will do it. There's no question about it because, you know, I look at the uh, Niners. I think they can win maybe 9 or 10. Uh, I think right now the Rams could win 11, but I mean Seattle. And again, when I when I go 11 and six, I'm I just I'm always cautious because you know some negative things happen during right. the year, and so it's yeah, like, uh, but you yeah, know, like last year they won 12, awful. but they won 12 last year, and they've added to the talent base. Yeah, I know you don't like that word, litmus cook, but uh, oh. well, unfortunately, when your starting running backs are out throughout the year uh, last year, I think that's a, I think that might be what. Unfortunately, John, I think that might be what they're saying down in Texas right now. Let that cook because his arm's going to fall off. He's probably going to average 300 yards a game for the rest of the year. To, from what it looks like, if Ezekiel Elliott can't get the ball, can't get running the football, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, it's like uh, you look at it and you go, what What are we doing here? Because, again, it's like 55 passes. I mean, that's ridiculous. Two out of three, John. Two out of three. Two out of three. Two out of three against Boston. Two out of three against Kansas City. Two out of three against – no, three out of four against Oakland A's. And, and more, two out of three against the Angels. Win series, you win the wild card one or two, John. The Seattle Mariners are on the rise. Go true to the blue. The hunt for blue October, John. That sounds good. Trey, thank Always you. Always a pleasure. Have thank a great you. weekend, John. All right. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jason in Puyallup. Hey, Jason. Hey, John. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I have a question. I've called up a couple times with you and... I'm trying to figure out why the national media has such a absolute love for the 49ers where suddenly we're, you've got some pundits out there that are saying like Seattle's going to go fourth in the division. To me, they are arguably the worst managed team I've ever seen in what their decision-making is. And I kind of have a feeling that tomorrow we're going to watch the Detroit Lions just stomp into stomp them into the ground. No, nah, you can't. The, 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 Lions, the Lions are terrible. 
I mean, they're off. Right. But the thing is I have about it is that you don't hear anything out of the Lions camp, which is the problem I have. And I know a couple of those guys are good. I know Jared Goff is better than Garoppolo. And I know that's a weird take to say, but Garoppolo can't play a full season. Mm-hmm. And Jared Goff can't throw more than 15 yards down the field. But you don't need that to beat the Niners because the Niners have a terrible secondary. They don't have – their pass rush can't stay healthy – and since DeForest Buckner's gone, it's never been the same. Right. So they're really just hoping that their linebackers keep them in play. And with DeAndre Swift and a couple of the rookies they got there, they don't have to do much to beat them. They really just have to watch the Niners. But shoot the, but the Lions the are awful. They're terrible. They're the second worst team in the league. You're talking about a, a team that's going to be lucky to win two or three games. And it's like, uh, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to disagree with the criticisms on the 49ers, I mean, there's there's definitely merit in what you say there, but you can't say that Detroit's going to win this game because they're terrible. That's like saying that Houston's going to win this week. Well, Houston's never going to win anything. Well, not, and Detroit's not going to win anything. Advantage. Detroit's yeah. not going to win anything. I, I get what you're saying, and it makes no sense why I have this feeling. I'm just saying I have this weird feeling that Dan Campbell is going to do something with that team to get them like it's going to be like a 13-10 win. And I don't know why, but I just don't trust Garoppolo. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan to adjust his game plan in the second half. And George Kittle can't win every game. <clears throat> yeah, but so, uh, <laughs> I mean, again, it's like, but I mean, you, you can't elevate Detroit because they've they've given away more talent that they've gained. I mean, they are a completely rebuilding team, completely. And it's like uh, a completely rebuilding team is not going to win ten to thirteen games just because Dan Campbell's the coach. He's no, got no, no team. No. I'm not saying they're going to win ten to thirteen. I'm saying they're going to. I mean, they can, they're not going to go under. They're not going to go and lose every game of the season. But no. the Niners are overly confident going into Week One. Mm-hmm. They are overlooking the Lions. And I'm not saying the Lions are good. They're terrible. But that doesn't make the Niners good. No. Like, just because the Lions are terrible doesn't make them good by response. Because Garoppolo is a terrible quarterback. And I know people love him. I don't understand it. He's, the only thing he has that's better than average is his quick release. But his accuracy sucks. His decision-making is terrible. And... He just isn't a good quarterback, and the fact you pay him $25 million to not play is just speaks volumes about the GM. Mm-hmm. So I just – I just the Niners are just a terrible team, and I don't understand the national love for them, where somehow they don't know who their quarterback is, but they're better than the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, who's a top-three quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know. By the way, I have some you know beachfront property in Arizona to sell you. It's right next to the stadium that they're going to lose in. So – <laughs> that's all I wanted to say, John. I just I love your show. I love talking to you. You're the only analyst I trust because you're the only one I know that got Russell Wilson's first contract right. Yeah. And that's why I trust your opinion. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Victor in Auburn. Another great show, John. Hey, thank you. By the way, you know I'm on Sirius in the next uh, 40 minutes. Oh, well, I'll be switching over there after 40 minutes, then that's for sure. Um. Hey, uh, well, that's, you're a great analyst because you also got a, a Hall of Fame jacket. Not too many people get that, so of course we trust John. But a uh, couple quick questions about the Broncos. John, do you see – I know you're saying you, you take the philosophy of that it's better to run to set up the pass, but, but teams that, that rely, like with Bridgewater, 
say he's a, he keeps everything compact and then he, he can't get the, the ball deep, do you expect them to try to pass to get the run open? Because teams will just kind of flood the, 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 the box, put eight or nine in the box. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I think right now <clears throat> that he's smart enough that he can try to you know, beat some of those eight in the box type of uh, defenses. Yeah, because the one thing is, is that, uh, you know, they got Melvin Gordon, they got Javante Williams. That's two good running backs, but also, I mean, they've got, as they got a real good group of three wide receivers. And so when they go three receivers, you know, that, that keeps guys out of the box, particularly with Jerry Judy being as good as he is. And also Cortland Sutton being a, a, a former Pro Bowl player. Yeah, definitely. But, but with say, uh, the game on Thursday with Dallas, if they're not making any progress, by handing the ball up to Ezekiel, even though they, they didn't try. But say they did try. Say they gave him 14 carries, and he was still only averaging one or two yards a game, uh, one or two yards a carry because the Tampa Bay defense was so stout. Do you toss away the run game and just start passing because you're not, you're not doing anything? I, I, I don't like that strategy. I mean, again, it's like it sure worked for 29 points for the 49ers, but it's like uh, or for, the, uh, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys. But, again, did they win the game? And I still look at the fact that in the last five starts for Dak Prescott, he's averaged 52 passes a game, and he's one in four. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of like, it's, it's like the let Russ cook theory. It's like, okay, you want to let Russ cook, but then the more you pass the ball, the more chances you are of getting turnovers. You, uh, what if you're the head coach and you're going up, a team, going up against a team that, that their job is to stop the run? That's all they do. They sell out to stop the run. Do you uh, game plan to take advantage of the pass, or do you still want to do maybe 50-50? Well, I I mean, I think part of this, you know, uh, because it was so warm. I mean, it was a hot day. It was humid. And, you know, you got two teams that didn't play much in the uh, preseason. And so it's like, uh, you know, so you have to make some adjustments because you're not not ready. You know, the Cowboys didn't have Zach Martin on the offensive line because he was hurt. And so – you have all, I mean, he was on COVID-19, and so it's like, okay, you can see there were some issues right there, but in the end, I think that uh, what you look at is that, uh, you know, it's like, don't, it's like, it's you can try to do it in one or two games, but don't make that a habit. Don't let the Russ Cook thing, you know, affect what, uh, let that cook and all that stuff. To me, that's crazy. John, the, the tackle or the lineman that got suspended from the Dallas Cowboys, they said it was a violation on his drugging, but he didn't fail a test. Did he just did, uh, not have to take the test? I don't know what it was. I mean, it was a substance thing, and he got five games. So we don't know the particulars of it. He is appealing, but uh, you know, the fact that he got five games is you know remarkable because that that's a little bit more than you would normally get. Okay, if he's appealing, does that mean he gets to play, or does he? No, uh, no. He put. He's out. Okay. All right, hey, John, take care. Have a great weekend, bud. All right, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Our weekly dose of the Gras coming up with Dave Grosby. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, this uh, playoff race even gets more intriguing with the Mariners <clears throat> continuing to win. They got favorable series uh, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and now they're one game out of the wild card. Incredible. With three weeks to go. Incredible. What a 13 games over 500. Just been a uh, 
an inexplicably good season and uh, a very, very exciting run to the finish for the Mariners, barring uh, something unfortunate. Yeah, and again, it's like (coughs) this is such a bonus because I think – you know, nobody expected that they were going to be able to start catching up like that. But all of a sudden, you can see the downturns in some of the teams that they're competing against. I don't know what it is with the Yankees and their injury situation. And, of course, I bring this up even though the Mariners probably have been more injured than the Yankees. But they're struggling. And then Boston has the COVID-19, and they're struggling. And so all of a sudden, things, things are available. Toronto's playing well. The Mariners are playing well. There's a bunch of teams. There's five of them in the mix for all of this. So uh, it's going to be very, very hotly competitive. And the Mariners, of course, have three key games with the Red Sox coming up, which are which are vital. And look, it's a series they've got to win. They're coming up here at home. They, they need to get two out of three. And really, if they want to galvanize the fan base, get three out of three and make your statement if you can uh, against Boston. Uh, you still got games left with Oakland. So You'll have games against teams that, that you're competing with. But, you know, for the most part, you're just going to have to win and, and scoreboard watch. And, and that's something that we haven't done much of around here. And, and it just goes to show another thing, John, that, that I firmly believe, and I think that the Mariners uh, need to believe too, is that you never can tell when you got a playoff season happening. But when you do, you got to take advantage of it. You've got to take advantage of it. You, you never know when you're going to get another shot. There's nothing is guaranteed. We can look at everything that we're looking at this year and say, well, this team is now set up for next year to be something special, and who knows what can happen next year. And In baseball, it's always uncertain. So when you've got the opportunity, you need to go for that opportunity. And I think that um, even though this team didn't necessarily do that at the, at the break, they, they did get guys that have helped them, and uh, they are making their move. You know, it's unfortunate that we, we thought it would include a an extra bat in Kyle Lewis, that's not going to happen, which is too bad. But uh, they've managed to overcome all kinds of deficits and, you know, 31-run wins, which is a tremendous number. You've got We've talked about this for the last couple of months with the come-from-behind wins they've had as well. This is a team that has got that, that X factor, that refuse to lose confidence. That, that is something that's in, it's an unmeasurable. You can't, you can't figure it out with, with, with statistics or numbers. You know, you've got a team that just – just plays a certain way and has a certain, you know, never-say-die quality about them that uh, that plays off. So they find themselves less stressed, more loose in, in late-inning situations when they're behind than it shows in the, in, the, in the scoreboard with the number of wins they've got. So it's uh, it's really a, a great, great uh, season to watch, and, and uh, here's hoping it's a great three weeks. Yeah, no doubt. It's, I can, it's, it's really fun to see. <clears throat> what do you think the key to this team is? Is it the uh, managing of... Uh, you know, Scott's service, obviously the bullpen has done exceeded what everybody expected. But, I mean, so many things have come together, even though, again, the games are so close. Well, I mean, it's not any one thing when you, when you look at it. I, I think maybe the, the biggest factor overall is the bullpen in general. And, you know, Paul Sewald and a few other guys uh, in particular. But the bullpen has kept them in games all year long as their starting staff has struggled. You know, you had Kikuchi struggling here in the second half, Marco Gonzalez struggling in the first half, Sheffield, you know, shut down before the year even got going. Uh, yet you've had Flexen step up and be something very, very special for you, which is which has been absolutely, you know, can't measure how big that is. When you look at the, the guys, uh, you know, in the field, and, you know, you were expecting Evan White at first, didn't happen, and, and you had Ty France, who's had a breakout season, and you've always got to have some of those. Yeah, Mitch Haniger having having a career year, which couldn't have been anticipated, I don't think, after the injuries that he had. You're having a career year, I, I dare say, for Kyle Seeger at third base, who's playing great defensively as well. I mean, that that's been a big factor to it. I mean, you look around and you see you see a bunch of guys still batting 100 
or, or batting under 200, like Tom Murphy, for example, who hits two home runs last night. So you've gotten different guys to contribute offensively. You've been, for the most part, a good defensive team with an airtight bullpen and, and a knack for winning close games. It, it's, it's been a whole lot of things. Sometimes Scott Service has pushed the right button. Sometimes he just sits back, shakes his head, and, and watches what happens. It's, it's, it's not one thing you can, you can put it on, but you, know, you do have you know, some of the things that teams always have to have going for them to have special years, and that's having guys have career seasons. And you've got three or four guys that are certainly having their career years. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's just kind of fun to watch. But I think the big thing is nobody expected this. Nobody expected this no. team to be you know, challenging this well for a playoff. No, no. no. I mean, everyone's mindset was this was another year of learning. You, you, you felt like you know, in the offseason you'd lost a year of, of uh, development because of COVID, so uh, it was going to be pushing your timetable back a year. In fact, they, what they said at the start of the year, that they, if they felt their timetable was pushed back a year, and in fact the, the timetable was here right now. So uh, I, I'm very hopeful that, that something good happens. I'll still, you know, if it doesn't go back and – and we'll we'll be able to do this when the year is over. Speculate about about the moves they made or didn't make at the at the break, uh, ter- trying to determine whether or not they were in this race or not. And um, it doesn't matter because at this point they, they find themselves in the race and and they're writing a new chapter for themselves over the next three weeks. And uh, it would be uh, it would be just spectacular to see something happen. Even and I don't I believe John, I don't mind a one game and out scenario if that's what happens. I'm not happy with it, but. It breaks the playoff drought. That that's that's a, I think a huge huge success for this team. So if they make it and, and lose that first game, this is unqualified a successful season. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, how do you see the Boston series shaking out? I have no idea, man. I hear Chris Sale now might not, might not be around for it. I mean, the Red Sox it seems to me are reeling a little bit, but they've got lots of weapons, lots of weapons. So you're going to have to pitch real well. They've got a bunch of guys, uh, more guys in the Red Sox team that have been through uh, this sort of uh, stretch, been, been through pennant races and things like that. So they'll have a little bit of an advantage there. But I think if you're the Mariners, you know, line them up. Doesn't matter who you're looking at. Doesn't matter if you're looking at the Yankees. Doesn't matter if you're looking at the Red Sox. Doesn't matter if you're looking at the Diamondbacks. Just line them up. I mean, that's the thing about this team is when you're not supposed to do anything and you're young and you haven't been in the, the pressure cooker before, it's not really a pressure cooker. I mean, it was kind of that way with the with the 95 Mariners to an extent. I mean, you know, Griffey, Buner, those guys, Randy Johnson, they'd never been in a pennant race before. They didn't know what they were, were or were not capable of doing. So um, that's kind of what this Mariner team has. They don't know they're not supposed to win these games or supposed to be feeling pressure. It doesn't seem like they do and, and looking at them now. So, you know, you just got to keep it going the way they're going. No doubt about it. So, uh, yeah, it's just going to be fun. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, it, it does help that you go kind of off and on. You go against a good series, a good series team and then a bad series team. Well, again, John, I mean, especially in baseball, it does not. You forget about records. All that matters is who's pitching. And especially now that we're late in the season, it matters who's pitching. I mean, that was Madison Bumgarner last night, who is not the pitcher that he once was, but uh, this was one of the best pitchers in the game as recently as five years ago. He makes an Arizona team a different team. So it, it matters who, who's pitching against you and, and, you know, forget about overall record, which I know the Mariners know. So that's the thing to look at most most carefully as, as the series come up is, is to see who you're facing uh, on the other side and, and if it's if it's team ace, if it's guys you've had trouble with, et cetera, et cetera. That winds up being the key. No doubt. No question about it. So uh, college football, of course, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the Pac-12. Not the pack a great game on right now, by the way. Oh, huh? is it really? Oregon, okay. what Oregon is playing a fantastic game against Ohio State. Huh, how about that? 
uh, out of the blue, absolutely out of the blue. I mean, they, they were last time I looked, they were up 14-7, and Ohio State was driving those, so they were maybe getting ready to score. But Oregon is ranked 12th. Uh, they weren't thought of as providing any any kind of difficulty to Ohio State. I, I already think they've shown something. Even if the second half winds up being an Ohio State blowout, in the first half, they've looked physically up to the test of, of Ohio State, which is which is very positive news for the Pac-12. And and don't forget, you know, Washington, of course, plays Michigan later on in the day. And, and because of what happened last week, Washington's going to be a pretty significant underdog in this game. I've got a, I like a lot of people, think that, that Washington's going to have a chance to step up and play very well in this game. I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Michigan this year in general with, with Jim Harbaugh, you know, the seasons that he's had coming up to this. I think Michigan is tight, and, and I think that they, they could have a tough time with, with Washington, presuming Washington has a couple of wide receivers that can play in the game. But uh, but again, I mean, it, it's, if you're not watching it, uh, Oregon is giving Ohio State a pretty good run here in the first half. Yeah, what happened, do you think, to Washington last week? I have no idea, man. I mean, I think, I, I, I guess I just speculate, John, that, that you know, their four top wide receivers were out, and uh, we didn't know about that, and it's because it's college football, you don't ever know about that stuff. That, that obviously changed what they could do offensively. I think they got into a bad, uh, a bad rhythm that they never got out of. They never got out of it, and, and they hadn't dealt with really adversity before. Jimmy Lake, you know, included in that as a head coach. So, you know, it was a, it was a cascading series of, of, of things that happened, but you know, uh, they they obviously are a better team than that. It doesn't matter to say it. They've got to show it on the field. And, you know, they had the opportunity this week. You know how the coaching staff handled this week. I mean, you know, you've got an opportunity to, to really erase the thought of that game if you can go to Michigan and win a ball game. I mean, it's not often that you get that chance. I mean, if they had another game this week, like Washington State, for example, playing Portland State, where all they could do is lose, you know, there, there's no there's no positive for them. Um, you know, it, it, it would be a different thing where, where here is you get to go into the game as an underdog. You get to rise up and, and erase the bad taste of that first game. And, and I think Washington is poised to do it if they have the personnel to do it is my only question. Yeah, that's that is going to be a big question at all. But, uh, yeah, it was certainly a tough one. Now, Seahawks open up against the yeah. Indianapolis Colts tomorrow. <laughs> Colts have problems in the sense that they're down their top two left tackles. Their best receiver is on injured reserve, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is going to play, but he's also missed, uh, you know, he's only had like four practices since being on the team. And so uh, that, that puts, I think, the Colts at a very uh, uh, big disadvantage. I would agree. I'm expecting a low-scoring game, John. I'm expecting the Seahawks to kind of, you know, have some struggles in getting used to their, their new offense uh, for the first time against a good Colts defense. I mean, that's, that, that's a, it's a solid defensive team. That's an 11-win team from a year ago, too, so it's a team that's used to winning. Uh, so I would expect that, that it's going to be a low-scoring game because I think, as you pointed out, the Colts are battered on offense, and, and we'll see what the Seahawks can do defensively. I, obviously, I'm very intrigued in seeing what the what the cornerbacks look like and, and frankly, what the defense and, and the middle of the field looks like without K.J. Wright, who I think is a big loss personally, especially his savvy and, and, and his intelligence on the defensive side of the ball. But um, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a great test. It, it's they're they're fortunate that that they're a little beat up on offense. The Seahawks have no problem traveling. We know that that's not a factor in this game. But I'm expecting a low scoring game myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why well, why do you think there's such a negative vibe on the Seahawks, even in some people in this town? Well, I mean, you had Russell Wilson's off season. You've got. Um, uh, and, and I know it's been it's been corrected, but it really really created a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of down feelings for people. And 
And uh, you know, another loss in in, in the pre, in the postseason before they expected it was it was a down season and another offensive uh, coordinator change, the third in what five years. So you know, there are reasons to to think that that uh, that they may, may be losing their way a little bit. We'll see. I mean, they, they've also had this incredible stretch of of what nine straight playoff seasons. They've been as consistent as the day is long. I think the other factor is that they are in the best division of football, in my opinion. I think it, it's it's going to be very very tough. I expect San Francisco to bounce back dramatically and be very much like the team they were two years ago, which was a very good club. Uh, I think Los Angeles is better, and I think Arizona's on the improve. We've been talking about this, so I think you've got a really, really difficult division to work to work in as well. So those are some of the things where people may be down a little bit, I think. Yeah, no question about it. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of surprising to see that. Uh, so what's your plans for the weekend? Well, you just, you just named it, John. I mean, how can you get away from the tube on a weekend like this one? I know. It's got to be a good one. Got you got it, buddy. A lot of football and, of course, baseball tonight and baseball tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go, our, Mar- go Mariners. That's our weekly gross of the, uh, dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, thank you so much. Thanks, John. Okay. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And our thanks to uh, Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Shaden in Bellevue. Hey, Shaden. Hey, John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Just wanted to start off by saying I'm a big fan. I really appreciate the insight you give. I've been listening to you for a while now and don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Well, I appreciate that. Very nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my question is, you know, with the Seahawks and everything that's been progressing over the offseason, Russell Wilson and all this, um, you know, I look at the first nine weeks and I see a really, really tough schedule. I mean, you don't see any rebuilding teams like you mentioned before, the Lions or anything. You know, you have the Colts, you got the Titans, you got the Saints, you're going down to Green Bay. So I guess what I'm wondering is halfway through the year, how confident are we that we're shooting for uh, a wild card spot, or we're or we're competing for the division. Because you know they say you got to win that division first, get yourself home field advantage, and that would be the easiest path to the Super Bowl, ideally. So I guess I'm just wondering. Um, the schedule has been a lot more tougher than it has been in years past, and so I'm just kind of wondering. Uh, where do you think? Uh, how how confident are you? I'm I'm pretty confident because I think you know you look at a team that has Russell Wilson at quarterback, and you also look at a team that uh, has the uh, you know it's it's got uh, you know they added to talent as opposed to subtracting talent, so it's like I think that's encouraging. Yeah, I, I would agree 100. Um, percent You know, it's just crazy because I I can't remember a surefire uh, Seahawks win in the last couple of years that I've watched um, besides maybe the Jets. So. You know, we're always clawing through every game. Mm-hmm. So, and the, and uh, I remember Justin Britt saying it's so hard to win a football game, an NFL football game. So, you know, every team we play is good, and I, I feel like uh, the Seahawks are going to have to be pretty mistake free this year. And, um, you know, well, so the, with the, all the, the thing is, though, I, I think you know the schedule may look tough, but it's not as tough as I think that uh, you you might think. Because, okay, do they have Jacksonville and Houston? Yeah. They're hitting Indy at the right time. They got Tennessee coming here, and then of course you've got the uh, four teams in the NFC uh, North. 
And, you know, how good is that? I mean, because, you know, you look at the NFC North, and I don't know, Chicago I don't think is very good. Uh, you know, Minnesota, questionable. And then, uh, you know, Green Bay obviously is good, and Detroit's terrible. New Orleans yeah. isn't going to be as good as uh, people think. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to John in Lake Stevens. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just wondering why we're dancing around the subject that, I mean, from the aspect of Russell getting hurt to the fact that he hasn't been playing really with the same amount of heart for the last several seasons. What? I mean, what are you talking about? He hasn't played with the amount of heart? That's crazy. No, it's not crazy. It is you crazy. Look at our fast start last. No, it's really not. It's the Sierra factor. No, oh, you look geez. at the fast start we had last season, and and the fact is that I mean anyone that knows football knows Russell misses a whole lot of wide open routes that he never sees. It's not a matter of him being inaccurate. He's got a great arm and he knows how to touch put touch on the football that's appropriate to the type of throw he needs to make. He just doesn't see all the throws, and everyone that knows football knows that. You have to agree with that. No, I don't. The fact- I, I don't agree. Oh, with okay. That. I mean, because he's the third okay. or fourth best quarterback in the league, and now you're saying he can't uh, he can't find open receivers. I mean, give me a break. That, that's a that's a subjective number. The third best quarterback in the league. The fact no, no, it's, it's an, it's he an over, accurate he overcomes, statement. He, he overcomes he overcomes a lot of his flaws because he is so athletic and able to be elusive under the, you know get away from pass rush that sacks most quarterbacks. But he's proven. I mean, not since his first few seasons. When him and Marshawn did the read option and we saw his heart, every time the Seahawks needed to move the ball down the field, it was just a matter of him making a good decision between handing it to the beast or taking it himself. But he made it happen, and he was quick enough that he could avoid any any kind of damage. The reason he's been hit so many times in the last few years is because he just holds the ball too damn long, because he's trying to make something where there is nothing, usually because he's not seeing what was there by design, and he has to create something through his you know, his impromptu runs and, and craziness. And don't get me wrong, it's fun to watch, but it's not a recipe for 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 Super Bowl victory. And the reason, you know, he, he you can tell he doesn't have the same amount of desire to win and put uh, it all on the line. He's thinking more longevity and how long can he make his career last. John, this this may be the stupidest comment we've had on this show. Oh, wow. Now he's going to ad hominem insults. I know I'm winning no, the it's argument. Like, you know, you're saying that his, I mean, his whole mission is to win, okay? And so now you're saying, you know, he doesn't... Says he doesn't, who? Huh? Says who? He, Everybody. Very clear. His mission His mission is to play into his 40s like Tom Brady. Uh, and, and, I mean, we heard from Colin Cowherd a couple years ago that Sierra's pulling the strings and they want a major market. They want out of Seattle. So this is his last year here anyway. John, so, John, whatever. John. I mean, you guys can dance around the elephant in the room all you want, but it's, he's not playing with the same amount of heart. He's not uh, playing with the same amount of leadership. He's like a robot that says all the right things and and does all the right things, but there's no. He's disingenuous. You can tell it's saccharine. Yeah, well, you're you're yeah. wrong. It's simple as okay. that. Okay. You have no you have no clue right. what you're talking about, and it's like good uh, argument. What's that's, that? That's an excellent argument. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. And thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week from 8 8 to 11. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.